The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine featuring topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... The Alice Cogswell and Ann Sullivan Macy Act has been introduced into Congress. And ACB receives a major ruling in its lawsuit against Washington, D.C. area taxi companies. Welcome to ACB Reports for October 2015. In mid-September, the Alice Cogswell and Ann Sullivan Macy Act, the subject of recent ACB legislative seminars, was introduced into Congress. Kathleen Duke has the story. On September 16, Congressman Matt Cartwright, Democrat of Pennsylvania, and David McKinley, Republican of West Virginia, introduced the bipartisan Alice Cogswell and Ann Sullivan Macy Act, named for two pioneers in the education of deaf and blind students. This landmark legislation would dramatically improve educational results for students who are deaf, hard of hearing, blind, visually impaired, or deaf-blind. In 1975, Congress enacted America's federal special education law, known today as the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, IDEA. The Cogswell-Macy Act would amend and modernize IDEA to address the largely unmet unique needs of students with sensory disabilities. The bill would ensure that students with vision and or hearing disabilities are properly identified, evaluated, and served, especially when they may have additional disabilities. Guarantee that students with sensory disabilities are provided with the full array of special education and related services they must have to truly receive a free and appropriate public education. Promote and support teachers and associated professionals who are critical to the delivery of such services and hold all levels of our public education system accountable for these expectations. Upwards of 350,000 students are deaf or hard of hearing and an estimated 100,000 have blindness or vision loss, yet less than one-third of those students are reported as having those needs under IDEA. That is completely unacceptable, Representative Cartwright said. This legislation would ensure that students who are deaf, hard of hearing, blind, visually impaired, or deaf-blind receive an equal and appropriate education and have access to vital services. I look forward to working with my colleagues to guarantee that all children can succeed and achieve their potential, he said. Representative McKinley said, Americans have made great strides since 1975 toward improving the lives of children dealing with hearing and sight disabilities, but there is still more work to be done. We need to ensure that nearly half a million kids with these disabilities have the same opportunity as other children to learn and develop skills. This is a common sense step to ensure we are helping these children. The American Foundation for the Blind and Conference of Educational Administrators of Schools and Programs for the Deaf have endorsed the Cogswell-Macy Act along with more than 100 other leading national, regional, and community-based organizations. The introduction of this bill represents a momentous step toward the transformation of this country's special education system in a manner that will truly allow for students who are blind or visually impaired to succeed in a 21st century classroom, said Kim Charlson, president of the American Council of the Blind. 
The Cogswell-Macy Act is the most significant national proposal to improve education for students who are deafblind we've seen in decades, said Mussy Gebri, president of the National Consumer Advocacy Group Deafblind Citizens in Action, DBCA. When America's deafblind children and youth have their unique communications and learning needs fully met, are provided with essential support such as intervener services, and are empowered by our national education system to rise to their full potential, well then just you look out because they're on their way to achieve great things. Just watch us and see for yourself. Our national special education law has been a success at getting kids with disabilities into their neighborhood schools, but what we haven't done yet is to make sure that students with vision loss get the education they deserve once they get in the schoolhouse door, said Mark Reichert, Director of Public Policy for the American Foundation for the Blind. We've waited 40 years and we're not waiting another 40 to give kids who are blind or visually impaired an education that is worthy of their tremendous potential. That's why the Cogswell-Macy Act is imperative. We expect that the passage of the Cogswell-Macy Act will rectify years of misapplication of IDEA for deaf and hard of hearing children everywhere. Deaf and hard of hearing children continue to experience language and academic delays because their educational environments are not optimal or even conducive to their learning, said James E. Tucker, superintendent of the Maryland School for the Deaf and president of the Conference of Educational Administrators of Schools and Programs for the Deaf. Every student's individualized education program needs to be student-driven and focused on the child's language, cognitive, and social development. NAD President Chris Wagner stated, Every deaf or hard-of-hearing child deserves access to a quality education, and this act will be an important step towards reminding states of their accountability regarding deaf, hard-of-hearing, blind, deaf-blind, and visually impaired children's needs. The number for this bill is H.R. 3535. That press release from the American Council of the Blind regarding the Alice Cogswell and Ann Sullivan Macy Act was read by Kathleen Duke. You can listen to ACB Reports, the ACB Braille Forum, and the eForum by phone. Just dial 605-475-8154. That's 605-475-8154. Want to enjoy ACB Radio but have no computer? It's all there for you by phone. Call 605-475-8130. That's 605-475-8130. The long-distance charges and minute usage of your calling plan will apply. From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. On September 3rd, the judge presiding over the lawsuit brought by ACB and Eric Bridges against four Washington, D.C. area taxi companies denied all four defendants' motions to dismiss the case. ACB Executive Director Melanie Brunson discussed the importance of this ruling with Carla Rushevel for Sound Prints, the weekly audio magazine of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. We have as a guest again this week, Melanie Brunson, who is the Executive Director of the American Council of the Blind. And this week we have something really good to talk about, and that is an explanation of some uh, of, a, of a court, do I call it a position, a ruling? A uh, ruling. A ruling that came 
uh, that was handed down of what September three, mm-hmm. uh, but we had a wonderful explanation of what it meant this past week, just a couple of days ago, on our leadership list. And so, um, I was wondering if you could please talk to us about this significant ruling. This has to do with the um, court case that ACB and Eric Bridges has filed in the D.C. area against some taxi companies because they chose not to pick you and Eric up with guide dogs a few couple of years ago. That's correct. Yeah, so tell us about this ruling and why it is so important. It is a great victory. We were really excited by the comprehensive nature of the decision when it came down. There were four taxi companies involved, and they tried to find all kinds of reasons essentially to ask the court to dismiss the case that we had filed. And there were five major claims that they had made. The first one was, well, we had not demonstrated that in the future, Eric Eric was, was, was um, the person who filed a claim against all of these companies with the Office of Human Rights for the Washington uh, this, uh, the District of Columbia. He filed a claim against the companies under the uh, the Washington Human Rights Act. And also, when we got to court, so we filed um, for violation of that law, also for violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And ACB joined in the case to support Eric's claim of discrimination. And we joined in basically on behalf of Eric Bridges as well as any of our other members who might want to use DC cabs in the future. Mm-hmm. And so the cab companies asked the court to dismiss the claim, basically saying that one of the things that we did not demonstrate and should have was that we intended to use these particular cab companies in the future and that they discriminate. And the court said, wait a minute, there's enough discrimination proven here. You don't have to show that you intended to use those particular cab companies. That's not required because we there's enough evidence dis- accompanying the filing to demonstrate that there's widespread discrimination by at least these companies. <laughs> okay. The other thing that they wanted to... to convinced the court of was that we didn't prove that they had discriminated against Eric by failing to pick him up just because he was blind and because he had a service dog. Mm -hmm. Well, it didn't take them more than 50 yards to pick up another person who was A, not blind, and B, did not have a service dog. Mm -hmm. every other respect they both people were males both people were in about the same age range mm-hmm. so they were even um probably looked similar so mm-hmm. it was obvious from the fact that of the tape we we did this demonstration this case we filed this case as the result of a video that was shot by television news crews that both Eric and I went out with separately, and they filmed each of us trying to hail cabs. Mm -hmm. And they caught 
four different cab drivers from four different companies on film passing Eric by and picking up then a sighted man who was stationed several yards away down the street. Mm -hmm. And so the video was submitted as evidence accompanying our case. Imagine and that. Because, yes. And the, the court said, you got to be kidding. Don't try to tell me this. This is not a good claim. Of mm -hmm. course, they, did, they uh, failed to pick him up because of his service dog and because he was blind. Mm -hmm. So um, there was also some claims about both of us in terms of both ACB and Eric and our right to sue in the first place. When you file such cases, you're supposed to file the case within a year of the incident. There is also a requirement, though, that you file a complaint with the D.C. Office of Human Rights first and before you can sue, and they need to try to resolve it. Well, that claim was filed well within a year of the incident, mm -hmm. and so the judge held that that was sufficient to give Eric standing to file the lawsuit. He did not violate what's called the statute of limitations. Then they said that not only did Eric not file, but ACB did not file a claim within the time that is allowed by law. Right. And the court said, which was, for me as an attorney, the coolest part of this ruling, was that the court held that ACB does not have to file a claim within a year, as long as one of our members does. And we can then sort of piggyback on their claim and file a suit with the court on behalf of that member and all of our other members. Oh, that and could that have a huge was, implication. It does. Yeah. For, for all kinds of discrimination cases nationwide, really, that an organization might want to get involved in, because mm -hmm. this is a big deal. Yeah. in a discrimination case. This might be, according to our attorneys, the first time a court has made such a determination. And then the final thing that the judge said was that even if our claims for violation of the D.C. Human Rights Law and the Americans with Disabilities Act were invalid, we still had a claim, a very valid claim, for negligence on the part of these companies because they failed to hire and supervise drivers who knew the law. Oh, well, that's great, too. It, it is. This, this is. We have had a really good month of September here, Melanie. We have. It's been, this is, this is um, the best we could have hoped for and more really, in terms of what the judge found in, yeah. in this case. Yeah. At the bottom of the summary, it says, in sum, this is a complete victory on these motions. And it says, we will now move to discovery with all of our claims alive and intact. This decision will also have presidential effect on future discrimination cases. What more could you hope for at this, that, this right. level? I mean, usually we get things that say, well, 
you know, we, we got this, we got A and we got B, but we didn't get C that we mm -hmm. really wanted. Or, or, well, D has a little problem with it here, but it, all, all in all, we did well. Mm -hmm. But for us to get something with five points and be able to say all five points are great and the best we could have hoped for is, is amazing. It really is. I mean, and, you know, a lot of times judges don't even bother to give their reasons for, for they denying just, a motion. Yeah, they just do it. They just say denied. Yeah. So this was above and beyond really what anything we we could have hoped for in yeah. terms of a decision by the I understand the, the original decision was like 21 pages. Mm -hmm. That should tell them something. It, I, I think so too. A message, you know, to the cab companies that with if the judge wrote twenty one pages on mm -hmm. something where he could have just said denied, right? That ought to give them some concept of what could be coming in the future. I believe that's a very accurate assessment of the message that this court wanted to send. Yes, if someone sent me twenty one pages of on something where they could have said one word and let it be done. I think I would take some note of that. So. I mean, keep in mind, we haven't even been to trial yet. This <laughs> no. was just their first shot across the vow. Yeah. So now, if I were their attorneys, I'd be really kind of worried about yes. the possibility of going to trial. Right. Well, we sure appreciate you talking with us about this. We've also had a good week and that we got the um, Alice Cogswell and Sullivan Macy Act is now reintroduced into yes. Congress and that's good news. The bill is 3535 is its number in the House and we'll be talking more of, about that hopefully in the next week or two as well. But this case here, this is just really, I felt this was very newsworthy this week. So we appreciate you taking the time on a Friday afternoon to talk with us. Well, it's my pleasure because this is a really exciting development and, and I'm really pleased by this decision. That was ACB's now retired executive director, Melanie Brunson, speaking with Carla Rushville for a recent edition of Sound Prints, the weekly audio magazine of the Kentucky Council of the Blind. Sound Prints covers news, issues, products, and resources of interest to people who are blind or visually impaired. Hosted by ACB Treasurer Carla Rushville, the magazine features a mix of local, state, and national topics discussed by a wide variety of guests. You can listen to Sound Prints on ACB Radio Mainstream at www.acbradio.org or on the phone at 605-675-8130. Sundays at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, with repeats every other hour through Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Your long-distance plan charges and minutes usage will apply to the phone call.
From the American Council of the Blind, you're listening to ACB Reports. With the departure of Executive Director Melanie Brunson on September 30th, steps have been taken to ensure that the organization's day-to-day operations will continue to run smoothly during the recruitment process for a new Executive Director. ACB President Kim Charlson has announced that beginning October 1st, 2015, Eric Bridges will serve as the Interim Executive Director for the American Council of the Blind. Eric may be reached via phone at 202-467-5081 or via email to ebridges at acb.org. American Council of the Blind is seeking an executive director to be based out of the organization's Arlington, Virginia office. Primary responsibilities include providing leadership and direction to ensure that ACB has the necessary resources to successfully fulfill its mission. The executive director has overall supervisory responsibility for the staff, including contractors. The executive director represents ACB in the pursuit of its mission with members, donors, media, government entities, agencies for the blind, and other organizations. To apply, you must have demonstrated passion and ability to motivate and inspire the community about the mission of ACB in promoting independence for people who are blind or visually impaired. Demonstrated oral and written communication skills experience in fundraising, including grant writing, and cultivation of foundations, major donors, and corporate sponsors. Experience and ability with financial management, including the development and implementation of budgets. Demonstrated leadership skills and collaborative management style. Ability and experience in the development and implementation of strategic plans and ability and experience in the effective utilization of volunteers. A bachelor's degree or higher and five to seven years of experience in positions of increasing management slash leadership responsibility in government or a not-for-profit organization, preferably one serving a national constituency. Individuals interested in applying must provide the following. One, a resume. Two, a cover letter addressing how your personal and professional experience qualifies you for this position. Three, three references, one of which is a previous employer. And four, one writing sample, maximum of three pages. All documents must be submitted as word attachments and should be sent by email to executivesearch at acb.org. Please put Attention Search Committee, American Council of the Blind, in the subject line. A detailed position description is available upon request. This position will remain open until filled. 
The American Council of the Blind is an equal opportunity employer and offers a competitive salary and benefits package. Questions about the executive director recruitment process should be sent to President Kim Charlson at K-I-M-C-H-A-R-L-S-O-N at A-C-B You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.